You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. I'm Sydney, one half of the setup. And of course, I'm joined by my twin sister, Sam. How's it going? It's going pretty good, Sid. How are you? I'm good. Super excited for this next one. Yep. Who do we have this week? We have Dylan Brewer. He started his career at Google and in music partnerships, collaborating with artists like Ariana Grande, Sam Smith, Jennifer Lopez, Demi Lovato in the 1975. He then left to work in marketing at Def Jam Recordings, where he worked with Justin Bieber on his album, Purpose. Dylan now works as Senior Director of Marketing at Epic Records with his recent success with Ozzy Osbourne's launch of the largest release event for Ordinary Man, Today, we will be discussing album release strategies. Lots of big names there. Nice. I know. His entire entire list was huge names. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Our listeners can go to Bandzoogle.com to try it out for free for 30 days. And if you enjoy it, you can use the promo code, the setup to get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com with promo code, the setup. Hello. Hi, how are you? What's going on? How are you guys doing? It's going. Thanks for like being able to do this in the middle of the day over there. You're in California, right? I am. Yeah. I know like you've worked with so many different artists in the past, like from different perspectives and angles and recently Ozzy Osbourne, which I thought was really cool. I actually just read his autobiography from like years ago that I took from my mom and I'm obsessed. (laughs) And so it's just personally exciting for me right now um, because I think everything he does. That's it right behind you. What'd you say? Yeah. Oh, it's right behind you. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Okay, here we go. Nice. Nice. And I'm just I, right behind I, you. When I was working with him, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy it because I'm diving deep into his history. And I it worked with him and then I haven't read it. So 
<laughs> it is what it is. I definitely recommend it. And the reason why I say this is because I've read a handful of artists, rock star autobiographies. And I will say like this one is actually very interesting. It doesn't only talk about drugs and alcohol and partying. While that's exciting for like maybe like a couple of chapters, it cannot be the whole story. There has to be more. And he shares totally. so much more. And I just love how his British accent comes to the pages and it's not overwhelming. And I still kind of understand what's going on. <laughs> He's great. I got, I'm excited to read it. And to start off, what makes you excited about the music industry? Be, the, the opportunity I have to be able to work with artists and creatives, like some who have been around for decades, some who have been around for, you know, a generation, some who are brand new. Um, it's, it's unlike any other business, you know, it's, it's the product is people and there's not there's very few businesses truly truly like that um where the art form comes from one person you know Mm -hmm. um and that ultimately is special and it's what i try to remember a lot about working in this business um because it can be frustrating it's like you're you're pulling from both sides of the spectrum, right? It's like you get the super highs, but then there's these there's these other things that don't make sense. But that that sort of uh, you know constant spontaneity is something that you can't find anywhere else. And ultimately, that's like the my sort of like big picture, like why I love it. Um, there's tons of other reasons. Obviously, I just love music, and I grew up playing music, and and it's like the most fun shit you can like think of. I think like the reminder, the gratitude sort of moments I have to have are like, I, I get to go, I get to listen to music all day. I get to think of fun ideas and I get to do cool shit. Like I'm just trying to do cool shit at the end yeah. of the day and collaborate with people and you know what I mean? So, yeah. I get that. Um, and I think that's a, awesome way to get up every day and do what you do i mean i would love to hear it from your from your own words if you can describe your experience and journey up to this point i mean i know that's a loaded question but i guess like what are you up to right now in your current role and uh like just give us a little peek into what you did prior as well right now i'm a senior marketing director at epic records um i've been at epic for three years and ultimately work with you know 10 to 15 artists on storytelling on strategy on creative direction on brand building brand development um and and sort of that whole thing um as i think most of your listeners know if if they're engaged in the music industry it's like product management um is sort of one part of the role thing and then there's just the marketing role which is like consumer engagement understanding trends cultures being on tiktok every day it's you know like um just seeing like what people like and what is working and what's not and you know that's like sort of the the exciting part but um i guess to the other part of your question of like sort of how i got here i could sort of summarize that i mean like i said i i grew up uh playing drums was lucky that my dad like loved music 
um, and had tons of CDs in the house and that whole, you know, ordeal. And um, I ended up going to college up at University of Massachusetts, Amherst, um, where ultimately I, I got a degree in business, but I, I tell people I studied music just because I was hanging out with the music kids all the time. I was in ensembles. Like I sort of, at the time, like prided myself like for being in, engaged in that way, but not being the music major. So I could hear how shitty it was to be a music theory major and not have to deal with the classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I wasn't like the best. So I was like, it's fine. I'm not getting my degree. And you know, like it was, I was just like good enough to, to be able to hang with them and, and stuff. So um, I think ultimately like that exposure certainly helped me and in, in just understanding music and learning about it and doing college radio and I was in the drum line and in the marching band at UMass and yeah I had a I had a professor who was like a huge mentor who taught me like big leadership things like beyond just like the music itself um and of those activities was one of another one was uh starting a TED talk we did like one of those TEDx uh independently organized TED talks um, and I was the music director and event supervisor for that. And um, my buddy, who's my roommate now, was the founder. Um, and whatever. Long story short, I I had known someone else who did something similar. Um, started a TED talk at UNC. This is like 2013. Oh, wow. And she liked the stuff I was doing in music. She was like, "This is fire! You're great." Um, she knew our founder. And then I graduated um, with nothing, no plans. Like I, I just had so much going on. And I graduated, and then I was like, uh, "What do I do now?" You know, sort of mm-hmm. spiel. And I had some fun side projects. I had like my own record label. I was working with artists like internationally, which was fun, but it wasn't paying any bills. And yeah, um, I'm living in my mom's basement. This is hell. Like I thought I worked harder for you know what I mean, like, that kind of thing. Anyway, this girl gives me a call. Um, and she just started a gig at Google and she was like, Hey, there's this role here in music partnerships. I think you'd be great for it. I just started it, but the next hiring process is in six months. Um, you know, do you want to, you should, you should apply for it. So I like telling this story and that's why maybe it's a little bit longer than hopefully, you know, maybe what your question asked for, but my decision at that point was I put all my eggs in one basket. I didn't apply for any other jobs. I, I moved back up to Massachusetts. I, uh, I, I lived with my buddy up there. We were co-running the record label and the entire time I was building out like the ma- most massive sort of resume case study application you could like think of um, sort of combining what I was doing with my record label and what, what the Google job ultimately would have asked of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just like, a very stressful, like, I just wanted to get to New York City, you know, that was like, just get me there, like, then it'll start, you know, and so I did trips once a month that summer and tried to, you know, just doing like the hustle, mm-hmm. just hoping that I would get this job. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'm going to give some, I'm going to just get more specific. The first interview I had there, um, one of the questions they asked was like, what keeps Larry Page up at night? And I was like, who's Larry Page? And they're like, oh, it's the, it's the CEO of Google. And I was like, cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll see you guys later. 
So I like, I, I booked it to the U pub. I got wasted at 3 p.m. Um, <laughs> the university pub on campus. I was like, where's the quickest alcohol? I was, just, I was, like, I was like, I'm fucked. Um, yeah. So uh, it was like all these months, you know, and then uh, that happened and whatever. Long story short, luckily that didn't, that didn't take me under. Um, they saw like, I did all these videos and decks and it was just like very over the top, you know, and I just like, and it's what I tell people now. That's why I think I'm coming full circle here for, again, for the listeners who maybe are trying to get in the industry or whatever. It's like, I just ultimately found something that was very different and left of center in the process of me introducing myself to people. Um, and even though I may not have seen these people's faces and there's people reviewing something, I had an opportunity to say, this is who I am. I, I, this is like my brand and I'm letting you know what, what's good. And mm-hmm. I just went over the top and, and mm-hmm. that's ultimately what helped me get the job. And, and then sort of the rest trickles and I won't go into those details, but that sort of lead up is, is like the thing that, that kept the ball rolling. Yeah. First of all, mad props for marching band. I gave that up when I was in high school, but I still, no, I still know saxophone. I used to be in marching band. So I'm like, heck yeah, this is the first person that we interviewed that was part of that. So I know how you feel. Um, But second of all, since you did do a good job with your brand and have those other projects to show for it, that's what people love. And obviously Sydney has a lot to talk about that um, as well. Um, But I think, you know, even though you don't have that music, quality or what they were saying or looking for what you you thought you still had that kind of the marketing or music side um to where you essentially were going so in your current role like how would you go about working with artists now for example the Ozzy Osbourne relationship that you had and the album that just came out yeah I mean like the Ozzy thing was like they brought I got brought on to that project so sylvia roan the ceo of epic called me and said hey ozzy's putting a new album out there was another marketing person who had worked with ozzy for decades uh, scott carter um who is great uh and now works at sony legacy um he had a relationship there and she called me she said hey ozzy's putting his first album out in 10 years he's working with andrew watt who's like this super dope young producer who's doing bieber and all these crazy you know Mm -hmm. And I, I want you to come in and bring some like youthful life into, into this project. Um, so like my goal there was just to do some really dope shit that's never been done before. And it was pretty specifically that it was like a massive creative campaign. Um, obviously I, I touched on the product manager things and whatever, but I was like, what can we do that? No one else has done at create that, that achieves a number of goals, right. For mm-hmm. him and his, at his, age right you sort of put yourself in their shoes and and what they would like and and what sharon thought was you know because she still manages them yeah like, what she felt <laughs> was yeah she's such a character she's really lovely she's really lovely um so you know you look at what their goals are when you have an artist that that high you're just trying to find like a little hole to to sort of fill a void right mm-hmm. um and it's not just getting like, I, yeah, there's like the labels will want to look at Billboard top this and top album, you know, and that stuff's all sort of cool and whatnot. It's certainly like not the first thing I think of, 
super innovative and different and what people haven't done and they can hang their head on that and whether it converts or not you know it's it's mm-hmm. still just like he's a he's a he's a legend in his own right so can i add one tiny thing to his legacy that maybe people will remember so that's the Ozzy thing, you know, and then there's other sort of artists in between the thread of like a legend and then someone who is just getting signed or just getting started. Ultimately, artists like those I love working with as well because you get to talk to them every day and you in your mm-hmm. but I have a whole like very detailed approach to, to how I work with them, which I won't necessarily get into like all of it, but like Ultimately, my job is to know that artist inside and out, like know them better than basically anyone else, right? Better than their parents, better than like, I need to know them in their art form um, as much as possible. So like there's constant like research and development, right? Like there has to be a time period where you do that and you build trust and they understand where you're coming from. And I learn about what their goals are and what their vision is, you know, Um it's very easy to overlook or, or project a vision onto an artist. That's not their vision. Um, you may think something should be a certain way based off their music, based off their look, based off of the 50 other artists you work at the label, um, you work with the label. So it's like, you have to understand what they know, what they're not really quite sure of. And then you can sort of work backwards from there. An artist may only want to play to 5,000 people a night. Like they may not want to do stadiums and that's totally cool. So like, let's get to that. There's our, there's our, you know, point or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that there's like identifying strengths and weaknesses is very, 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 very important as well. And so I sort of have like this, like 10 commandments of like, I listing out like just different things like musical capability, like uh, voice, like, uh fashion personality uh interviews like like they're better at these top three things and they're not good at these three things let's triple down on their strengths that will be their story and let's build a plan that can potentially strengthen strengthen the weaknesses over six to 12 months maybe that'll never happen but there's so many scenarios where we try to put a template to an artist, right? And go, this is what we do with everyone. Um, and, you know, I, I've worked with artists where we've spent millions of dollars and we didn't even know who the artist was. The artists didn't even know who he was. Like, mm-hmm. and then two years later, they're like, I know who I am now. It's like, but we just spent $2 million. Like, like now, unfortunately, you are put on the shelf. Like, that's what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, we tried a bunch of things and ultimately you're going to shoot yourself in the foot for that. So like, that's, that's like my uh, plain and simple answer to like the development is like really understanding their vision, what they're really good at and, and doubling down on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then obviously identify the story, like what may, why should people care about you? You know, mm-hmm. do they understand the genre? Like, do they, do they have a, do they have an understanding of the perspective of the fan? It doesn't mean that they should cater to making music based off of that. You should make music however you want. You should do You know what I'm saying? But do you have an understanding of where this music's going to live? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does it read amongst other people? And what's the world? And why are you different? 
And maybe that's a conversation with the artist. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's only with management. Yeah. Right. Again, it's all dynamic. You need to know who your audience is. Um, some artists, it's like you don't have that conversation with them directly. Sometimes you do. Like, you know, it's it's all like chess playing. You got to sort of feel feel it out, which, again, goes back to your first question about why it's so much fun, because these are the most vulnerable people in the world. You know, what I mean, like artists like I, I've learned so much more about my personal life my relationships with my friends and my family because I work with artists because they're vulnerable and they're indecisive. And they're like, it's like dating people. I, <laughs> I've dated people. Music, you know what I'm saying? I should yeah. see well, this might be things to cut out. But <laughs> as a, as a metaphor, it's like, it's a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how it has to feel. And, and just like them, like artists in general, like they have to be a brand. Like, I mean, everyone's a brand, right? But then they are, that. there's certain people that like them, that hate them, that, you know, they, they can become that brand. They are that brand, whatever it is. Like, that's also what makes it, to your point, very vulnerable. Well, Samantha, okay. actually, I love that you brought that up because I think that's when you know that the branding is done right, when mm-hmm. they're polarizing opinions, because it means that that person has something attached to their name and their look. But, but that's also, but that's just why I'm saying like to, to Dylan's point, like why they're, they have to be so vulnerable in his, you know, in his placement of where he's at, like marketing them too. You have to be vulnerable. Once you hear an artist's vision and like are familiar with their brand, how do you turn that into a promotional strategy? Well, I think there's a lot of things, right? It's like you start getting into the, the, the ultimate planning of, of the music itself, right? Like first you kind of just want to get to know who they are and they're like where they're from and what their parents do and like all that kind of good stuff. Cause in that you're mining for something that is, that makes them interesting. It's like, it's just like any human, like we all have something interesting about ourselves that we don't maybe realize, but like the world could realize or like our, the person next door can realize and like, my job is part partly to mine some of that stuff and 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 find really interesting things or, or really essentially draw connections to things, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it all there's no like direct order of operations, mm-hmm. but yeah, when it comes to like sort of putting the music out there, I mean, it, it it's not like this built up sort of thing, you know. To me, it's like it's all real time. There's no like l- like linear it doesn't feel very linear to me because a lot of it's trial and error. And a lot of that starts with just the relationship between you and fans. Like it has to sort of start with that. Obviously before then the music has to be at a certain level. You have to feel good about it. It's produced like all that kind of shit. But like after that, you know, it's like, what am I communicating to the world? You know? And that comes in like hundreds of ways, you know, like, what platforms are on? What am I saying? What content do I have? What's the song sound like? Are there, you know, all these different things you might want to do. Um, so in that process, it's still identifying again, the strengths and weaknesses. Like, do you have friends who are video directors? No, but you want to. Okay, cool. We have a network of the people for those. Now let me connect you with some people. Then we look at that for a, a bit. Like, what do you already have? What do you don't have? Whatever you don't have, let us help. Right. You need a stylist. Let's get you a stylist. If you need that, you know what I mean? Um, so 
it's I it's ultimately at that point you're building a team around this person, which is which is sort of the next thing. You can understand them. You may, you may not get to a point where you fully understand them, you know, or their brand. I guess is maybe the best thing, but you at least have a good enough idea. So when you can start building out a team, it's it's a larger than the artist representation of the of the art form. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you start putting pieces in play you start finding internal champions at the label like it may not be any executives because this artist has zero streams and they just ultimately don't care about yeah. this artist right now they're not priority cool so intern one assistant two uh homeboy who i worked with who's a marketing manager for years like there's my team great are they technically the official assigned people no but i don't care because they're in they love the artist and i know they're going to care about them so like finding champions mm -hmm. and that starts internally. It starts with myself and my friends, right? Cause then I could bullshit and talk mm -hmm. to my roommates and my friends. Like, what do you guys, you know what I mean? Like who's going to ultimately be the core group of, of people who you can work with, um, whether it's, you know, the managers, lawyers, whatever you need around you, let's set that up. But that can all happen in real time. It's not like you should hold back from putting music out or what, you know what I mean? Um, so I think like that is really most important to me, like when you start putting music out and then you should obviously be putting out music, uh, music out consistently and, and content out consistently and like listening to what, uh, you know, engaging in a conversation online and in a community, um, and seeing what works and what doesn't and pivoting and trying new things all the time. And, and that's sort of the, the larger development process which could be a year, it could be five years. Sort of depends on what happens, the genre, like all those sort of things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of just like a, that's like my general approach. Yeah, and um, to your point too, I, I guess it also, you know, takes into account like what the artist is doing on the side. Um, but kind of jumping back to Ozzy's release, how did you and your team um, come up with the strategy of doing Tattoo parlors. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I had like a three bulleted thing that I used to. That was like my pitch. I don't know if I can remember it to be honest. It was it was something along the lines of what I said before. It was like one, no one's ever done it before. Like mm -hmm. we did. We that's for sure. We had we partnered with fifty seven tattoo shops around the world um to premiere this album you know and it was like ultimately like the largest sort of global like release event in rock and roll history like the mm -hmm. most amount of city most amount. um so like that in itself just is like ozzy's a legend this campaign needs to be at that level you know it needs to be something that people go what the fuck oh you know i think i like compared it to like oh i did i compared it to the uh the Kanye uh, Yeezus release of the projections. <laughs> and I said, I want to be the metal version of the Yeezus campaign. Mm -hmm. Like I want to do the, 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 the godfather of metal version, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and make one of the arguably a, a massive multi-city experiential thing. That's at the highest level and maybe the biggest, right? That was one. And then like, it was like, okay, where do we start? And, and, the thing for me is like Ozzy's, he's, he's a zeitgeist artist, like in his, in, in 
his constant pivot of of his career and Black Sabbath to Ozzy Osbourne to the show to the, the like like in pop culture he's constantly reinventing himself, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which makes him that much more memorable. And so I was like, well, what is another culture uh, that he sort of touched that I think people overlook, you know? And it was it was him wearing like ha- like having not wearing like having tattoos and arguably making them cool in the music business in like the in in music in like the mid 60s where like it wasn't really a thing to have tattoos as an artist uh it was like only like people who were in jail and like sailors and shit you know um i'm generalizing but um he i think arguably was one of the first to really like make it a thing um during that era and i really found that fascinating like in my in my research of them so i was like let's sort of have a full circle moment where we can now we can come back and we can celebrate that sort of tie-in with all adore i mean the 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 fan bases are so intermixed right um oh yeah these are like the two things and then the third thing was like we partnered with specific shops and artists so not like old school traditional like we had a few of those like some legends um but we ultimately like found a younger fan base that had grown into getting a lot of tattoos but hadn't heard an ozzy album within that 10-year span and so now we're crossing generations right now we can hit the exact fan base that is you know uh today's generation um in a very fitting setting and 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 um so all of those things sort of combined were like the strategy and then the execution, which I love talking about, was like we were cold. Me and my assistant at the time, Shoshana, were cold calling tattoo shops at like seven in the morning because we were calling out to Turkey and New Zealand and like, and uh, you know, ultimately, like Sony is a massive corporation. Um, so in theory, there are things globally that could be set up as pillars. Um, but you know, if you if you got to get shit done and you have a vision for it, like I, we just had to like go and do it ourselves. Like there was almost a very DIY approach to it. Like mm-hmm. like chalkboard, like massive spreadsheet. Like it's me and her, and that was it. And some other, you know, whatever. But it wasn't like a hundred people working on this thing. Wow. It was like two. Yeah. Um. So you know. And then just the process of getting it approved and wanting Sharon to like it and Sylvia, like that was like months of work too, Mm -hmm. you know, and like that's an art form in itself to like present something in a way that's favorable. And, you know, so anyway, long answer, but that was what we came up with. I mean, just being somebody that also has a bunch of tattoos that, I, I mean, I love, I love rock music and everything. And, but the thing is I haven't really listened to Black Sabbath as much. And um, if you weren't going to say that, I was going to say like, I think it's genius because you have, I, even when I'm like talking to my tattoo artists, they're like, you know, the, all you young people, like people that wouldn't have tattoos 40 years ago have them now. And it's just like, that touches so many more people and people just want that because it is different. And or it touches like the different age group too, that might not, they're not, you know, your 67 year old, like more than likely men. Sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be like, you know, 
uh, genderize it, but that's normally what it is and, like, for Ozzy's group. And then now you have so many other people that he's going to touch through, I mean, through his album release that people are going to start listening to besides that. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, I think tattoos are definitely growing in American culture. So having those tattoo shots in other countries was maybe a little bit more difficult. I'm I'm not sure. I didn't research that, but I think that's, it's just a great disruptor, um, especially for, you know, parties in that way. Yeah, it started out like my boss was like, maybe you should just do 20 in the United States. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then I like did 30 and then I had 30 in the mm-hmm. United States. And then I was like, fuck this shit. We're going global. Let's do like six. <laughs> I think like, the goal was 50. And they were like, bro, that's too many. You're just like cutting. And I said, fuck you. It was, it sort of started out as like, man, it'll be great if it's just 15. I said, yeah, but like Kanye did the projections in like 49 mm-hmm. cities. Like he hired a whole agency for that shit. Like we're the agency. Yeah. It's me and my assistant. We rent, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, that's incredible. Well. Cause I would have thought it would have been like an extreme team to get it done. So that's so cool. And if you know, you can lock down 30, what, like if you have time, why not keep going for it? And I was going to say, going back on branding, like, going back to his autobiography, (laughs) like he tattooed his own knuckles and now it's like super iconic. And so it's so ingrained in who he is as a person and also his followers too. When I think of, well, one of our first festivals that we went to was OzFest. And I was scared to death because I was like (laughs) nine years old and my dad took us, but (laughs) I went there. And when I think of his fans and the people that listen to Black Sabbath and Ozzy, it's that cool vibe. And I love that. And I feel like they would be willing to like go get an Ozzy inspired tattoo and who cares what it is because, you know, it has to do with Ozzy, you know? Um, So I think it's really cool that was tied with the listening party. I, I could talk about that campaign for a long time because there were so <laughs> yeah. many other like added elements and stuff. And like we re-released this like tour t-shirt that was like all of his tattoos that he had only put out like in the early nineties. Um and so we re-released it as like a limited piece, like after like Travis Scott wore it and like it was just like wow. but it was tied into like his tattoos and what you said and like the the little smiley face on his kneecap you know it's just like funny random shit like that and that you can look at his tattoos and be like i see his personality and all of them like you could just sort of see the 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 collage of of designs and like um be like oh this dude is funny and he's deep and he's emotional and he's sad and he's broken and he you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i just thought that was super fascinating yeah, um, absolutely. I I feel like I know a bunch about him. I could go on all day about it, but I was curious. Do you typically like to lean on this creative side where a release is usually around like an event, like a listening party or an, an event, you know, the VMAs or something like that? Yeah, I, I personally like I'm big on experiential. I know we were going to sort of touch on that as potentially one part of this whole thing but i just love doing that like i i worked in digital marketing for a few years and i like that was cool for a while but then i was like i can't just like look at comments and get the same sort of like 
passion and energy of people's like responses. Like I want to see these people. And I just felt like there was more room to disrupt in live and, and eventizing things that weren't tours and weren't merch yeah. pop-ups um, and weren't like industry uh, Grammy event type things. Um, I love doing that. It's, it's more of a creative outlet for me and then they love it too. Um, whether it does anything, it's, it's just, it's, and it brings it back to, if there's a performance element, it's like, you know, the best artists having incredible performers, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I always like that being on the forefront of a campaign. Again, if it makes sense for the artist, my favorite artist, it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So is that usually like the focus of campaign or is it just one aspect of it? Um, it's definitely just one aspect of it. Definitely one aspect. I think like in my world, mm -hmm. like when I do marketing campaigns, I mean, they're like, it's either you're doing something in real life or online, right? Like it, the, the thing with Mark, it's like, it's such a loose term right like right ultimately it's just like creative ideas and innovation like that's how i consider marketing like marketing the people who work in marketing are coming up with really unique ideas like the publicist can get you the vma look can get you fallon can get you rolling stone like those are all important parts of a campaign sync will get you in this tv this that that you know what i mean like i rely on those people to know those worlds and to know what movies are coming out and to know what magazines are important and know all that like Ultimately, I'm still I still am aware because I'm in the culture. So I just know anyway, I'm not spending all of my time being like researching YouTube channels and trying to find the top 20 influence. Like there's people in digital <laughs> marketing who do that. Right. Ultimately, I have to like it's like being a, it's like being a CEO. Like you have to find who does mm -hmm. uh, what well and you have to scale and you got to go. I empower this person. I empower that person. Like. It, it, there's a CEO mindset to it, I think, which is, which is fun you know? uh, without the risk, you know, cause we're ultimately still getting paid. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> but like for me, like my, my, like uh, what I bring to the table is typically the experiential, like in my world, there's tons of other things I oversee and have to make sure happen. And you know what I mean? But like, if I'm owning something, it's going to mostly be like, content related online which is everything or some kind of in-person sort of thing you know or multi-city thing so that's how i usually approach it and i'm very curious as you're talking through us because it does seem like very heavy on the creativity and the ideation how far ahead of time do you usually have to start planning out these projects <sighs> depends on the artists you know um it's a, it really depends. Um, sometimes like the Aussie thing, you know, I, I had probably a few months to in that. I think it was like, I got it approved in November and then I worked through the holiday and then it launched February. So like I had like two to three months on that. Um, some artists, you know, I know have an album coming in a year or something. Uh, so it's always like sort of moving timelines. Um, some bigger artists take six months. Some do shit off the cuff, you know, like 
um, and some ideas come real fast and we, I've turned around ideas in, in a week and, you know, it, it, it's sort of, it, it, it's sort of depends. And that again, makes it super fun because it's not like I need three months to do my thing like that. Like, shut up. Like you can, <laughs> if you're, if you're good at your job, you can do anything in any amount of time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yep. like you're either like, you're hitting a ceiling. If you're like, I'm only good if I have three months. Cool. Okay, great. Then you'll just, you just stay over there then. Like I'll go, we'll go do something within the, within the two week time frame. That's fucking sick. You know, like those people are usually the ones that probably leave at 5 PM <laughs> and um, don't think of work outside of the nine to five, mm-hmm. because you can probably get anything done if you really spend the time on it. I was talking to Sydney earlier. I'm just like, you know, a lot of, a lot of just part of marking, if we're going to generalize some things is just like call. And once you have an idea to get other people involved, call, email, be in person, do whatever you have to do to execute certain plans or, you know, gather the team, um, like get it done. Yeah. Like, you have two weeks like get the plan done get it done kind of a situation there is no it's like the it's like the achilles heel of our role is like we product management side is like we have to know the most like and i and i and i'll wear that you know like i'll wear the fact that i have to have all the information because then that's a bit of my control i'm not the artist but i have this at the label right like um and there's sort of like never like a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to what my job is. Like I can go forever. Like, like I can work as long as I, you know, where like some other jobs may be very more cutthroat. Like what else can I do? Like almost every department in the label business, which is like ultimately going to be its demise unless it changes is the, the Rolodex right is mm-hmm. is the people in their phone book. um until they start investing more and in incubating like true uh marketing talent and creatives and and innovative people and and people who understand storytelling and, and make that a priority uh the the rolodex business is no longer like it, it, it's gonna be waning you know like you see it with publicity you see it in streaming like radio is sort of has maybe the strongest hold which is just been there for a hundred years you know <laughs> like so but it doesn't matter right like so it's like you can have all those relationships but where does that priority lie so um i think ultimately like the great thing about my role is like it's the intangible like i yeah i know people but i'm not that's not me i'm not my, i'm not defined by the people i know you know and i never want to make that a priority for myself and yes you should can know a lot of people and that's valuable but i don't think that's nearly as important as understanding that sort of intangible stuff you know the the, the conversation the the the, mm-hmm. the ethic that you know the culture the the storytelling that all that kind of good shit That actually leads us into our next question perfectly. And maybe you answered a little bit of it, but I'm going to ask anyway, because it's our favorite. What do you want to be known for? Uh, I love that. (laughs) Um, I just want to do cool shit with artists for the rest of my life. Like, and I want to be, and I want to stay myself. Um, 
and I want to stay vocal about my opinions. Um, hence why I started like a podcast thing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to change and, and look back and be like, you, you ended up becoming one of the robots of the industry, like um, a paper pusher or a, you know, I'm more just in check with that. I, I know who I am, you know, and I, and I, and uh, I guess like, that's constantly what I bring to the table every day is that strength. Um, that's the most important thing. Um, will I be known for that? Uh, no, but like, um, it's like a good personal goal, I guess. And yeah, I just went like the Aussie thing was like, you know, like something that is a good example of what I would want to do more of for the rest of my life. Um, and I just want to bring unique perspectives like to, to stuff and, and connect dots that people aren't doing. And it's like sort of the, the side project with the, with the talk show sort of thing is like, I'm exercising that muscle there um, where the label thing I can have access to budget and do really cool, massive experiential things. But here I have like a platform where I could like talk shit, not talk <laughs> shit. Not, not, it's like talk my shit. I yeah. guess like just, and, and ultimately, like, learn about people and find interesting ways to talk about music that is not seen in music journalism. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but it can come in any form. I don't have this, like, goal of being the biggest manager or, like, being the biggest fucking live event producer. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I think those sort of things are, like, uh, and they have in different ways already. Um, so I just sort of let them happen. And I just sort of stay vocal fucking get your wrist slapped as many times as you can until you get mm-hmm. fired. So. <laughs> I love that. That's the vibe I got from you because I feel like those who have that mentality are the ones that keep moving on up and doing these awesome projects. I mean, you shouldn't wait for someone to tell you what to do. You should do it and um, get golded later, but hopefully nothing <laughs> will happen out of it. I mean, thanks so much, Dylan, for joining us on this episode around story t- storytelling and your projects. Like, I feel like it's so valuable to the listeners. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com. 